you know, taking that step to reach out um, is such a vulnerability and, and it shows so much, um, even though it seems like it's so vulnerable, it shows a lot of strength. So I would just let them know that taking that first step is, it's such an empowering thing to be able to do, to let them know that I'm listening, to let them know that I'm there for them. Hi guys, this is episode number 15 and the second episode of season two of Alex McComb Big and Awkward. Today on Bell Let's Talk Day, we'll be continuing on with the series of mental health episodes where we dive into the stories of athletes and their battle with mental health issues. Because today is so important, I decided to have one of the OGs of Western Student Athlete Mental Health Initiative on the show today. She was a varsity field hockey player for the Western Mustangs. Nikisha Slavin, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Um, so, Nikisha, when did athletics come into your life? Um, honestly, before I could even remember, my mom was a softball player, and my dad a golfer and a hockey player, and sports were always on, and I was always involved. I think I started skating at three years old and, and just never stopped. She just kept adding different sports to the roster. How important was the role of sports for you? I mean, as soon as I started playing competitively, it was my identity. It was how I self-identified. I identified to other people. It dictated my friend groups. It was six to seven days a week of my life. So, you know, it was, it was absolutely everything to me. What, uh, what kind of pushed you to become a better athlete for all those years? I think. A lot of it was, well, it was both internal and external factors. I mean, my parents were such a driving force for sports because it was our entire community of friends and, and everything that we did socially and, and what we spent the most time doing. So it was just sort of second nature to just keep progressing, keep pushing as, you know, my friends were. And it also internally as well, because I'm such a competitive person and I'm, I expect perfection for myself and I always always have it was very both of those were just so intrinsic to me so I think just a you know a combination of of things were the reason why I pushed myself to be the best athlete that I could be and, and go to a higher level in terms of mental health and sports where does Nikisha's story start uh well my story really starts in high school um I started having mental health issues and all of that was sort of channeled into sport and was most, I guess, prevalent through sport. Um, I was a hockey goalie and, you know, while I had always expected perfection, all of a sudden I dreaded playing. All of a sudden it was the thing that was the most daunting thing and made me so... I guess it just, it made me so depressed. Um, and the thing that I once loved turned into the worst thing in my entire life. Uh, I dreaded playing. I just, I had all of these little idiosyncrasies and, and routines that if it didn't go right, I just completely deteriorated. And it got to the point where I was completely imploding from the inside out 
And, you know, even if I got a shutout in hockey or I scored two goals in field hockey, it, it didn't matter. The, there was no happiness anymore from sport. There would be, you know, maybe an hour of relief and then instant dread waiting for the next time that I, I had to be on the ice and, and perform. What does Bell Let's Doc Day uh, mean to you? Um, I mean, I, I first heard about it in high school and it didn't mean that much to me because there was, the conversation still wasn't really there, um, at least in my friend group, on my team. Um, but when I got to university, I really saw the impact that it was having, especially the way that it was, you know, um, carrying forward on Twitter. And I started following these conversations and listening to other stories and seeing that I wasn't alone. I mean, I know that a lot of people were so inspired by Clara Hughes, but I had her as my phone background for a while because I just, I needed that support, even though I, I didn't know her personally. And so it's just a single day within the year dedicated to starting the conversation and letting people open up about themselves and listen to other stories and, and know that other people, you know, may not necessarily suffer from mental illness, but have mental health issues that are sports related. Why is a campaign like Bell Let's Talk so important to athletes and student athletes? Well, it's become sort of a fixture at Western and, and we have, a, you know, a big sort of event dedicated to it. And it's so important for student athletes just because um, it, it starts that conversation and facilitates a way to bring that conversation into, you know, the realm of sport 365 days a year. And although, you know, people are probably most active and, you know, talking about it on Bellet Talk Day, it creates this, I guess, community and this energy that hopefully carries forward into the rest of the year and onward to keep breaking down the barriers and the stigmas associated with um, athletes and mental health issues. And it, it really shows in the way that so many people have, so many professional athletes and so many people that I know have started opening up more and more as the um, as the event and the day has sort of gained traction over the years. For those who don't know, what is SAMI, the uh, Student Athlete Mental Health Initiative, and what does it mean to you? So, yeah, the Student Athlete Mental Health Initiative is basically, the way that we like to say is it's a group of like-minded student athletes who are coming together to bring awareness um, and the stigma and you know, we do fundraisers, events, and campaigns that are all dedicated to starting the conversation, continuing the conversation, and create, you know, communities within Western for student-athletes and also create athlete-to-athlete bonds that wouldn't otherwise be there. I mean, we're also bonded with our teams and we're able to create, you know, a community within individual teams by having, you know, uh, standing campus team members represented on different teams uh, throughout varsity athletics at Western. But we also call ourselves our own team because we are so strong and as a force uh, trying to engender positive change at Western for 
student athletes and especially in terms of mental health. What, uh, what prompted you to get involved with Sammy in the first place? Um, well, I have been navigating the mental health system at Western and, you know, the system in general since I was 17. Um, I suffer from depression, anxiety, and ADHD. And so when I got to Western, you know, seeking out help was a huge challenge. There are a lot of flaws in the in the system at Western. And when I did finally get the chance to speak to a psychiatrist and a therapist, they didn't understand how sport factored into my mental illness and my mental health journey. I had one just tell me to quit which as somebody who relies so heavily on, on sport as, you know, a source of my social life and, and my identity, that was just an impossibility. And so I've still been navigating this, but it wasn't until my third year, um, my coach asked if I would become one of the captains of the field hockey team for the next year that I sort of, I froze because you know, how could I be a strong leader on my team when I'm so mentally vulnerable when, you know, none of my team members know the daily struggles that I go through and how could I be that leader and that voice for the team when when I don't feel like that person myself. So I started to reflect on that and then I, the, the statistic came to my head, you know, one in five people suffer from mental illness and I thought, okay, well, the field hockey team has 22 people, which means I'm not the only one on my team. And there's thousands of Western athletes, which means I'm not the only one at Western. So there has to be some program specifically dedicated to student athletes. So I went online, I just started looking, and within 20 minutes, I found the Student Athlete Mental Health Initiative, which is this overarching organization throughout Canada that anybody, well, any student athlete can start within their own school and it's volunteer based and um you know i just decided to take the plunge and fast forward we're in our second year now and we have over 80 campus team members represented from i think it's around 10 different teams so it just speaks to the necessity of a group like this at western and everybody who's part of it is so proud of it and so excited to see what we can do in the future the uh, the first episode I did for athletes struggling with mental health issues was uh, when I talked to a varsity wrestler, Chris, and we talked about how the worst injuries are the ones that the naked eye cannot see. Does this statement hold true for you as well? Uh, absolutely, it does. I mean, I've had stress fractures in both legs. I've broken countless like fingers and you know, uh, my kneecap and sprains, and although all of these injuries have been very painful, my mental illness, I think of it as, if I were to describe it as a physical injury, it's like a broken arm that is never healed. Some days it hurts more than others. Some days you can kind of forget about the pain and not recognize it's there, and other days it's, it's too painful to bear. Um, but people can't see it. People don't recognize that it's there. And, you know, when when you have a broken arm, again, for example, people are always understanding. People are always supportive. And they, 
speak to you in ways that are completely different than with a mental illness. Something that you can't see, people are not able to understand it as well. So definitely something that the naked eye can't see. That's been my most plaguing injury um, throughout my sports career. Nikisha, can you take me to your lowest moment? It's actually something that I had repressed because um, I only remembered it when, when you asked me the, the question. Um, I, I begged my parents to let me quit, um, but I wasn't allowed to let my team down. I wrote letters. I you know, tried to talk to people on my team, and, and I had no support system. Um, no core group of friends that knew what I was going through and was going to be there for me. Um, and my lowest point was when I, I injured myself on purpose so that I could get out of playing for a month. Um, people were so, you know, I, I made up a story behind it and people were so concerned and, and supportive and telling me that I could take my time and just wait till I was, you know, not injured anymore and until I was better again. And I sort of channeled all of that um, support and those positive emotions about, you know, a physical injury and, and tried to pretend that those people were talking about my mental illness and, and my, my mental health. Um, and it was at that point when my physical health had become, begun to deteriorate uh, so much that um, I I knew that something more drastic needed to be done, and, and I I really needed to get external help. In the beginning of your journey with uh, your mental health, did you ever feel like you wanted to reach out but felt like you couldn't? Uh, yeah, um, I did. I felt I tried to reach out to friends and family members and my coach. And people on my team, but they they needed me more as a teammate than as a friend. It felt like so. You know, when I tried to reach out to people, I was dismissed because I I wasn't allowed to quit. Um, you know, my coach even said, "If you quit, you'll let the team down." But nobody recognized that being there was, you know, um, destroying me. So. I felt very rejected when I when I reached out to people. And so, you know, that's something that comes top of mind when anybody um, comes to me with their story or with questions. It just, I know that even bringing it to people's attention is such a vulnerable thing that um, reaching out is definitely the hardest thing that, that you can do. Was there any one thing or person that kept you above the surface when you felt down and out? Um, I mean, not really. It wasn't until I got to Western that I I had a, a team within the Western field hockey team that, that I knew was supportive. And even if I didn't share my mental illness or my mental health issues with them, I knew that there were at least a poor group of people who if, if I went to them with anything, that they would drop their entire lives to support me. And those are people who 
were my field hockey teammates who became my roommates, my best friends, and, you know, my future bridesmaids. Um, and so those are just the connections that I were able to make within the Western field hockey team. Um, that was, um, that was everything to me. And, and those are the people who I have been able to reach out to over the past couple of years. There's a segment on this show that I do with uh, all my guests uh, where I give them a scenario and then they tell me what they would do in said scenario. So, Nakisha, here's a scenario. If a young student athlete approached you and opened up about their mental health issues and that they feel like they've reached a breaking point, what would you tell them and what kind of advice would you give them so that they can continue playing sports at a high level? Um. I think that advice is hard because, you know, as somebody who's not, when you're not a mental health professional, it's really, really challenging to know the right things to say. So I think that the most important thing, the best advice or thing that I could say would be just to let them know that I'm listening, that I'm being attentive, that I'm observant, and also just let them know that they're not alone. You know, taking that step to reach out, um, is such a vulnerability and and it shows so much um even though it seems like it's so vulnerable it shows a lot of strength so i would just let them know that taking that first step is it's such an empowering thing to be able to do to let them know that i'm listening to let them know that i'm there for them and i think that when somebody reaches that point and they're seeking external help it's such a, a weight and a burden um so I think that I would let them know that I would be willing to help them navigate the system, that I would make appointments for them if they need to, that I would let them know that I could go to appointments with them. I think that it's such a daunting thing that people have to go through that prevents people from taking that first step. And if I can alleviate some of that that burden on, on said athletes, um, that's something that I've reached out to people and let them know that I could do for them before. That's something that I have done for a fellow student athlete. And it's um, one of the most helpful things I've found to do. Where do you see your own mental health in five to ten years? Um, hopefully optimal. Um, I mean, even the issues that I had five years ago, although I've made so much progress in my life and I feel very strong on those things, I'm, you know, I have different circumstances now and different issues now. So just working through my, you know, present issues as well as not neglecting past ones and, and recognizing each day any minuscule changes, any problems, and and just sort of being observant and self-reflective um, is the best way that I can prepare now for having optimal mental health over the next five to ten years and, and over the rest of my life. What are your professional or uh, personal goals moving forward, and how do you think your mental health will impact that? Well, Sammy plays a big part of that because I've never felt more um, more myself or um, more strong than than in participating in the Student Athlete Mental Health Initiative, and it's made me recognize that I want to go into nonprofit work or humanitarianism or something of the like. Just be able to help people. So mental health definitely factors in to my professional goals. And personally, because 
you know, as somebody who has a lot of anxiety based on past events and especially based on future events, I don't really set major life goals for myself personally because I just try to live moment to moment as much as possible. And I found that living presently is the best way to ensure that my mental health is is optimal. Outside of SAMI, are you a part of any other organizations helping to break the stigma around mental health? Um, no, I mean, SAMI has been such a beast. Um, all of us executives have put in countless hours. Um, we're always, you know, messaging each other, sending each other ideas, um, posting on social media. And it, it was such a, a full-time commitment on top of being a student and being an athlete. So I I didn't uh, dedicate myself to any other, you know, mental health organizations, but I'm definitely open to it and would love to, you know, continue along that path um, as much as I can. Now in 2020, there seems to be more promotion on social media to help kick the stigma around surrounding mental health. However, there are still many communities around the world uh, who are not active on social media and may not be aware of these campaigns and may still possibly be living in fear of judgment. What do you think is the next step to really defeat this? Um, yeah, I think that living in you know North America, we sort of don't recognize that we have a unique situation, um, that we have, you know, access to technology that has allowed us to create um, this online community and environment to help end the stigma, but this is impossible um, throughout the world. But to me, even though social media has been such a blessing in terms of, you know, creating this widespread community, I found that there is nothing more powerful and impactful than a human-to-human conversation and human-to-human connection, and I think that any next steps for challenging the stigma around mental health, uh, mental illness, and within sports specifically, I think the best step to take in, in any of these situations anywhere throughout the world is just genuine uh, human-to-human conversation and connection. 100%. Is there anything else you'd like to add today, Nikisha? No, actually. Um, go Stang. <laughs> go Stangs. Yeah. Uh, Nikisha, thank you so much for your time today, and I wish you the best. Yeah, thank you. Take care. Uh, as always, thank you as well to my listeners for tuning in to Alex McComb Big and Awkward today. See you all next time. Got a sleepless night. Hey, lot of sleepless nights. Ay. I've been on my ground for a minute. When your time has no limit, you gon' shine. Lot of sleepless nights. Hey, if you like this episode, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Pinterest. No matter what social media platform, I'm there. And if you, the listener, have any topics that you want discussed on the show, and or if you want to be on the podcast, just like all of my other past guests, just message me anywhere, DM me, text me, call me, and I'd love to hear your story. I'm out.